Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NFL Show, episode 21. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, I've got Beckett. I've got Stacey here with me. No Alex tonight, but guys, let's let's jump into, yeah, I, I guess we, we talk about this quite a lot, the crazy NFL season that we've had, but what has contributed to that has been a lot of these injuries and some suspensions. So that's my, that's my question off the top, Beck, is which injury or suspension has had the biggest impact in the NFL so far this season? I mean, the one that I want to talk about, um, I won't go into too much detail because we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, but um, the Ravens running back group, I just think, I I mean, it probably doesn't look like it's affected them as much, but just the fact that they've lost, you know, so much to play two of their star running backs and then had the depth, had to find the depth to come in and someone else to come in and fill that position is pretty shocking what they've done over there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, mine's a suspension, non-suspension with the Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, Obviously, we know it's a big distraction there uh, for Houston, but it's also becoming a distraction in other franchises. Um, You hear reports that, you know, Miami are not quite happy with Tua, um, and in Philadelphia, they're not quite happy with Jalen. So, you know, they they continue to be linked with Deshaun. You know, personally, I I think that there's absolutely no chance, but you just wonder, you know, whether this is a distraction for Tua and Jalen. Um, you know, in, in other franchises. So for me, you know, that's having the biggest impact at the moment just because of the media in and around that and the distraction it's causing amongst other teams. Stace, what about yourself? Oh, look, I mean, for the first time in a, almost a decade, the Seahawks are seeing a starting new starting quarterback. Um, I know Rex has got such a sad face. And I, I'm sad too. I mean, Russell Wilson with his ridiculously broken finger that they thought was just a sprain. But, I mean, the more you look at it and, uh, you know, I love applying my some of my anatomy knowledge uh, to this. So an extensive tendon rupture and a comminuted fr- fracture dislocation of the proximal interphalangeal joint. So basically the middle finger top joint is just ruptured. He's got screws. Um, he's got... Uh, he had to rejoin his tendon back up in there. Like when I saw the injury, I was like, everyone thinks it's just a little finger, but seriously, that finger is the most important finger when you're holding a football because it's actually one of the last ones that gets you that spiral. Um, so to have no pressure in that um, is pretty insane. So, uh, so yeah, I think the Seahawks are, you know, you know, getting used to life without Russ at the moment and settling with Geno Smith who, uh, you know, he's got a, He's got a long road ahead of him, but hopefully Russell Wilson, they're, they're expecting him back by week 10. Um, but knowing Russ and the magic of healing that he has, uh, he'll probably be back a little bit sooner. But I think that was that was something that wasn't thought of as being, you know, like season ending, but it could have been. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, The Huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles... The long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. 
Yeah, and Stacey, you know, after Tom Brady retired, it was dark times as a New England Patriots supporter. And, you know, there, there was a couple of moments, and, and, you know, I think there'd be a few fans that thought, do I stick with them? You know, do I stick with the Patriots after Tom Brady retires? And, you know, you can't help but look at some other, uh, you know, attractive franchises around the competition. And, well, this is one that, that caught my eye. And if I had my choice, if I had a second team, it would be the Baltimore Ravens just because of their quarterback. Because, you know, not only are they a competitive team uh, that are always in and around it, but just, just the way in which they play. So, Stacey, take it away. Talk us through uh, their special quarterback because, you know, we, we just haven't seen a player like this. No, you're definitely right. And, and I think, is there a better story in all of sport? So, I mean, these are the types of stories that they make movies about. You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, drafted, wasn't supposed to be a passer. And yet here we are in, you know, week six. And last week he's, uh, you know, he became the first player in NFL history with 400 yards passing, 50 yards rushing and four TD passes with no interception in a single game. Like that's just next level craziness. Um, and, you know, the fact that this team has gone from a shell of itself to being such a dominant force all in part to Lamar Jackson and his ability, um, which was severely underrated when he was first drafted. Yeah, I, I, I think I've spoken about this a few times. The Patriots um, skipped past him and selected uh, the LA Rams now running back Sony Michelle. So that still hurts um, quite a lot, but um, I guess we could do that with quite a few players. But, you know, Beck, you, you think about some of the strategy in this franchise, and that would be as much as we want to use Lamar's wheels, you know, he's deadly with, with his passing game, and that's something that he's been able to establish the last couple of seasons. But, you know, you would have liked to have taken some pressure off him with, you know, the, the, this this stacked running back room that you've got. And, you know, you touched on it at the start of the show. Things didn't quite go according to plan in the preseason for the Ravens. Yeah, no, super unfortunate what happened with their running backs over there. They lost, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who's supposed to be this dominant, you know, super hard running back that Lamar can rely on to just hand off the ball and get a few yards for him out with an ACL. A week later, the same thing happens to the backup Gus Edwards out with an ACL. So they're stuck in this no man's land of who's their running back now? How are they going to establish this running game without a number one back? And so, you know, it's heavily relied on Lamar Jackson to do the running and he has done so far in the season. I think he has, you know, something like 390 rushing yards on his own. He's leading the team um, in rushing. So, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the game plan on how their season started, but it's working for him. I mean, too, you know, we we were talking off air and it was like we were just looking at, you know, the depth chart for the Ravens. And it's like, you know, they've picked up Latavius Murray, they've t- picked up Devonta Freeman, they've picked up LeVayne Bell. And it's like all of these running backs were sitting quietly in a room somewhere just twiddling their thumbs going, hmm, maybe someone will need us, maybe. And then they all just got taken yeah. for the Ravens yeah. and they're just performing so well. They're all the type of running backs that were like dominant in their time. And the teams have kind of just faded out of their teams because they haven't been consistent enough or they kind of just lost that, um, you know, ability to run hard. But, you know, they've come to the Ravens and the Ravens have reignited 
these three running backs and give them a, a start to a second career almost. Yeah, and next year they'll have five running backs. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how next year goes. But, you know, uh, I, I guess, Beck, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, the, the safety valve that, that has sort of emerged for Lamar Jackson because if it's not the running backs, the player that has stood out for me has been the tight end uh, in Mark Andrews. You know, he, he's a player that has been consistent, um, you know, throughout his career, but... He just seems to have such a great connection with Lamar. You know, if he's in trouble, he can get the he can just get the ball to him. And uh, you know, some of his performances. I know he had a career performance against the Colts recently, and that just made me really step back to say, "Hey, w- what a player!" Yeah, and we've talked about tight ends quite a bit throughout you know the podcast so far, and how they are like that. Um, you know, safety valve for a quarterback when they are in trouble or need you know a quick. Um, pass to go out or whatever. And yeah, Andrews has definitely been that. He's big, he's solid, he's got good hands. Um, and he's, yeah, he's got a great connection with Lamar. I think Lamar, you know, it's almost his favorite target to go to on the team. I don't think that you can underestimate the power of the Ravens' offense until you start looking at their offensive line, though. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, in their right tackle, they've got Alejandro Villanueva, who, you know, we've seen from the Steelers, and he's just class. Um, you know, they've got this This offensive line is just like they're just dominant. They're just putting people in the ground. And, you know, Beck and I, you were talking um, on off air about some of the schemes that come out of, you know, the offense for the Ravens and how it's so multifaceted because, you know, obviously um, Lamar Jackson uses his legs. But the fact that we had both noticed that there's always a pulling guard or there's always a lead block out there. So in terms of when we're talking about keeping your quarterback safe, sending them out there with a big dude like, you know, um, Patrick Ricard as their fullback, you know, leading the charge or getting that tight end, you know, getting Mark Andrews to pull out in front of Lamar Jackson. You know, it's just like a little bit of a buffer and a little bit of a cushion for Lamar to find a crease and just take off. Yeah, that's yeah a- there's so many moving parts in this offense. And Patrick Ricard is definitely a key part of that. I think just recently this week we've seen him, you know, go out and make some massive blocks that turned into big yardage plays for Lamar. Yeah, you know, you you see Lamar's natural ability on the ground and then you add time to that and it's just, uh, it's absolutely deadly. All right, Stace, well, another player that I wanted to talk about is, well, and it's inspired by you because you always uh, talk to us about special teams and how important that is in the NFL. There's a little kicker down there in Baltimore by the name of Justin Tucker and, well, yeah, we, we all know where he's headed uh, once he retires. He He's quite special. But in all seriousness, it does have such a huge impact. I mean, only a couple of weeks ago we had, you know, that weekend of craziness when it came to kicking um, where a lot of points were left on the board. And, you know, as the Ravens move through the season and they're winning these these narrow games, Justin could be a big factor. Oh, totally. Justin is so clutch. Um, and he's just got such personality about him too. Um, you know, he's... He played. Uh, he was. In, he played for Texas in college, um, and they've got a history of producing some really great special teamers. And and he's definitely one of them. It's going to go down in NFL history. And I think that he. I think Alex mentioned in a previous episode that he would be one of the first kickers that would potentially be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, and he broke the record, sixty-seven yards. I mean, among the Ravens and what they're doing. You know defying the odds of not having any running backs and then all of a sudden have this great running um, running offense. They add in, you know, um, you know, a longest field goal attempt broken and then they add on to we want to have 100-yard rushing yards per game. 
um, you know, as a record. So this this franchise is built on the small wins, um, you know, and it's the philosophy that, you know, Beck and I, we're, we're pretty familiar with, is you focus on the small things and the score takes care of itself. And that comes a lot from um, from Jim Harbour. You know, his his mentality and the way that he coaches his players is just, uh, you know, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I know you, John, yeah, John Harbour, because we've uh, we've spoken a lot about those two, the, the two coaches there for uh, for Baltimore and, and Michigan. But, Beck, it's a perfect lead-in, isn't it, to talk about this coach? Because, you know, can you believe that there was a time where this guy was under pressure, you know, in terms of his coaching future there? And, you know, um, you know obviously, you know, things happened, um, you know, things happened at the quarterback position, and he went out and found himself a quarterback. But one of the things that was really impressive is he just went all in. He completely changed his his team he completely changed his offense i mean uh you know you, you couldn't you couldn't see you couldn't see a a bigger difference in a franchise after lamar jackson arrived in baltimore so yeah talk us through the risks that john took and um yeah it certainly seems to have paid off yeah it's one thing to um bring in a new quarterback and have him fit into your scheme but as a head coach to pick a player and then decide to entirely change your whole offensive scheme to fit that one player and build around him is a huge risk. Like you have no idea how he's going to play. You have no idea if this scheme is even going to work in the long run, but to, yeah, massive risk relying on that one player to be good and, you know, keep your career alive for you in the league. And Stacey had to do it because, you know, the, the difference between Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco, I mean, it's just, it would be a little bit difficult to run those two different offenses. But, you know, I, and, and some of the things that we've been speaking about as well is how many of these head coaches across the 32 teams would these plays run through a wall for? And 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 John Harbour is definitely one of those plays. You can just see the connection that he has with his players. So, you know, he's built this unbelievable roster, so much talent, but yet he's able to just get that little bit more out of each player. Um, you know, he, he certainly he certainly appears to be a special coach, and you know, I, I guess what he's looking to do now is is see if he can take that all the way through to the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, as as a head coach, you definitely want to have that confidence, and and the fact that um, you know he was willing to risk his, you know, uh, hurting Lamar Jackson in order to take out that hundred yards rushing record, um, you know, speaks volumes about what he believes is important to the team. Um, but, you know, he's also so smart. Like as a coach, um, you know, what Beck said around, um, you know, designing an offense around Lamar Jackson, you know, the, some of the things he's done is no different to anyone else in the league. He's just tweaked it, um, you know, to, to make it, uh, you know, more specific to Lamar. So, you know, they use the pistol formation, which is like it's not under center and it's not too far away. So in that middle zone is where Lamar is like super dangerous because it's a, it's a shorter read from a linebacker perspective. And plus he's just so quick. So, I mean, the whole offense triggers around Lamar Jackson and it's like, um, it, it's like this playbook was just, you know, designed for him, which is so special when it comes together. Yeah, and, and, and I guess, we, and we haven't even touched on the defense. You know, I, I think what's special about the defense is there are some serious leaders on that football team. You know, when things go wrong in a game and the defense has to, has to you know, jump, run out onto the field, sometimes you just feel that the vibe is low, you know, energy levels are low, they're deflated before they even hit the field. Not at Baltimore. You know, you've got guys like Clayus Campbell. Um, you've got some really good young players there, Patrick McQueen, a few others, Marlon Humphrey. You know they they hit the they hit the it doesn't matter what horrific interception or whatever's gone against them to to warrant them getting on the field once they once they get out there they're, they're confident that they can stop 
Uh, they can stop the run, they can stop the pass. So for me, uh, a very well-rounded football team. And Beck, I guess that leads us into our next question. You know, we, we've got to we've got to tip this one. So looking ahead uh, at the at Baltimore season, what's your predictions there for the seventeen games? I, you know, for me, I, I'm going thirteen and four, just because you know they have had such a great start to the season. I feel like there could be a couple of trap games which which may sort of trick uh, trip them up and. You know, the other thing that I'm very interested about this season is how do you how do you best freshen up a team that is headed to the playoffs? Because Baltimore are headed there. You want them to be fit, fresh, and ready for those big games. So, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm factoring in a couple of losses there just to protect myself. But, uh, yeah, Beck, what's, what's your thoughts? What's your predicted record here for Baltimore? Yeah, this is an interesting team. I mean, we've seen them win five games straight now after that first week loss in overtime against the Raiders. Um, and they don't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. Um, my biggest concern is maintaining Lamar Jackson's health and having him, you know, because he is running the ball so much and taking a few hits here and there. Um, I want to see him be a bit more protected and um, have those running backs come in and take those um, balls instead. Um, in saying that, like I said, it's a five game streak there, and I don't think it's coming down any time soon. I think they're going to go fifteen and two. I'm going fifteen and two. I think oh, they only bold. have one loss in them. It'll be a close game. Love it, love it. No, very bold. I like it. And yeah, you can't say they don't have the talent there. That's for sure. Stace, what about yourself? A good football team, but just how good? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to run into a little bit of trouble around. I mean. Uh, you know, I think the Bengals might give them a little bit of a little bit of something, something because the Bengals have just come out of nowhere this year. Um, I think that you know the Steelers Ravens rivalry, I think, has the potential to get the better of Lamar. I mean, but that depends on Roethlisberger and how well his arm holds together with you know all the pieces of tape that's holding it together right now. And then the only other pe- people that I think could give him a bit of a shot is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So I'm going to go three losses and 14 wins. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our next segment tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, here at Mojo Sports, we're big advocates for the defensive players. You know, I guess we love our quarterbacks. We love our wide receivers, but uh, the defensive side of the ball... Um, you know, it's something we're really interested in, and we've seen, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of popularity rising uh, in this in this space. You know, with a few flashy cornerbacks, but tonight we're going to the safety position, and we're picking out well two absolute stars in the game, and that's Buda Baker from the Arizona Cardinals coming up against your friend, your beloved uh, Beck, uh, Seattle Seahawks Jamal Adams. Uh, Beck, I'm going to throw it straight to you, and let's start with Jamal because. You know, we, we we all know about his history, but let's take it all the way back. He did arrive in Seattle. It was it was a big cost to the franchise, but you know obviously Seattle were in a bit of a transition period. You know, moving away from the Legion, uh, you know, well, an historic defense. Um, you know, obviously, you know they felt like Jamal was was a player that could help them. And yeah, talk to us thought talk to us about your opinions on his early uh, start to his career in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when we picked up Jamal, we had um, a specific scheme of defense in mind that we wanted to play him at and the way that he fitted into our defense. Um, Unfortunately, I just don't think we have the personnel around him for that scheme to be working as well as it could be at the moment. Um, His play on his own, he's, he's a great player. Like he comes down and makes tackles. He's definitely someone you want on your defense. You just want to be able to back him up 
with players around him as well. I think um, we look at him, like I personally look at him in terms of like he's the next Cam Chancellor. Like that's how we want him to fit into our defence. Cam Chancellor was that play in the box, hard-hitting kind of safety and um, it worked for us. It was the Legion of Boom and we really, you know, we strived in that type of defence and I think we're trying to recreate that with Jamal Adams. I think what's interesting too is, you know, we've we've spoken the last couple of weeks about Seahawks defense and and how big of a part that Jamal Adams plays in that. Um, I think it's just fascinating for a a safety. You know, if we look at his stats from last year, he played almost 100 snaps on the line, like up in the line. And he's doing that, you know, pretty consistently now. Um, So it's so hard to classify him because he's just not your standard free safety and he's not even I mean in the, we even talk about that nickel hybrid safety blend but being so far down in the line you know you can expect to see him rushing off the edge faster than you know a, a majority of the D-line that's coming around from the Seahawks anyway it's just fascinating to watch but I think his limitations are that that was his niche and that was the role that he needed to play on the Seahawks defense and now that uh you know a lot of and it was successful in his first year not so successful this year because other teams have started to figure out how to counteract that. And, uh, you know, we saw, and I saw again, this, uh, against the game in the, with the Steelers, you know, Ben Roethlisberger picked up on what he was doing and just changed a whole bunch of things to changing into under center and running a play action with a quick passing game to kind of, you know, uh, expose his, his attack. Yeah. And like I said, that's the problem with having not such strong corners, that they are going to, you know, start passing when they do see that one-on-one, which, you know, there'll be quick short passes, slants, out routes, you know, those kind of things. It doesn't give Jamal Adams a lot of time to make those plays in the backfield. But on the run game, he's great. Like he's making tackles in the backfield and getting downfield and, you know, cutting off um, running backs quite easily. It's just the pass game where I think we need to change it up a little bit and give offenses a little bit more of a surprise rather than a straight up read. Yeah, yeah and, for sure. Yeah, and to your point, it's almost as if he's a nice to have. Do you know what I mean? Like because he's such a unique player and plays a different position to to your point, Stacey, you know, you, you'd, you'd see a player like Jamal be really, really successful as just that one more piece to a defense, you know, in, in a team that was performing at a high level. You know, obviously no one sort of predicted Seattle to be in the in the situation that, that they're in at the moment. But um, obviously, you know, there's a few issues uh, there and it's making things quite difficult uh, for him. But, Beck, you know, talk to us about, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of comparisons between last year and this year. It, it, it is difficult because last year he had all of those sacks you know, he hasn't quite had that production at the start of the year. You know, how are you feeling about him coming into this year? Do you feel like you'll have a strong back end and be able to sort of uh, chase those numbers? Or do you feel like, you know, he's, he's not going to be able to um, uh, chase that up? He's had too slow of a start. Um, I think anyone can finish the season on a high if they work hard enough. Um, if you look at what our entire defense was ranked last year, the first half of the season, I think we were ranked, you know, below the 20th position. And then throughout the year, we managed to build our defense up and we're ranked within the top 10, I think. Um, so definitely potential for Jamal Adams to definitely step back into that role and finish the season with some decent stats. I think he had 9.5 sacks last year. I don't know if he'll get that this year because we are still, you know, working out our defense now that we have lost some key players and changed some positions around and stuff like that. Um, but there's, I think I think there's definitely potential that he'll still get some stats and finish the season on a high. 
All right, stays well. You, you talk about, well, let's have a look at his competitor tonight, Buda Baker from the Arizona Cardinals, because you talk about a player playing in as, you know, one or playing in a great football team. And Arizona Cardinals, I think what stood out about them this year is that they are all in. They know that they have an opportunity to do something pretty special. And just the way in which they've bought players, you know they, they're all in. And, you know, you look at a guy like Buda Baker, who is a great player, but he's playing in an absolute great system. So talk us, talk us through Buda Baker because, you know, a little bit, little bit undersized, more, more of a smaller player at, at 5'10", but, um, yeah, certainly all class. Oh, totally. He's, he's one of my favourites. Um, and I think that it was a highlight last year. I'm fairly certain it, get, it might have been against the Seahawks. And he just ran this pick back and it was just epic. But, uh, you know, he's, he's so versatile and that's what I love about him. Um, he's totally undersized, but he produces. And uh, it's tough kind of not to notice whenever he's playing on the field. He's super aggressive like Tyrone Matthew and uh, pretty similar size-wise. So they definitely have some short guy syndrome going on. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if Alex was here, I'd, I'd probably you know, make fun of her size that they're kind of the same size. Um, but, uh, yeah, he plays, plays definitely with a chip on his shoulder and uh, he'll, he'll make you pay if you sleep on him. Uh, he plays super well at free safety. His coverage... Coverage is off the charts, plays well at nickel. He plays really good man coverage on the tight end or against a slot, and then he blitzes super fast off the edge. Yeah, like I don't feel like he's the biggest player or like the the hardest hitter on the field, but he just has this crazy ability to know where the ball is or where it's going. He makes such such good reads and he deflects, like he deflects passes or, you know, like he's always there knowing where the ball is. It's a crazy skill to have. And it's a hard, like the ball is not a big target. Um, and to be able to knock it out at the right time and have your hand in the right place when you are up against receivers is a skill to have. And one, one of the things that I want to talk about too is around the mentality of defensive players, because I feel like, you know, there's, there are these star players that go out there and do their best, but I just wonder how much additional motivation uh, is given to these players when they're a chance at winning a title. You know what I mean? When your front office goes out and buys plays, brings in JJ Watt, I mean, it just lifts the level of production amongst all the players. And, you know, if, if you add a little bit extra to Buda Baker, I, I mean, um, Beck, you know, talk talk us through, uh, talk to us a little bit about the Cardinals and, you know, what was your expectation of this football team coming into the preseason? Because, you know, Buda Baker and that side of the ball, they've just been outstanding this season. Yeah, I feel like I underestimated them. Like I really didn't think that they were going to come out and go 6-0 and and have this defense, you know, making plays and then their offense, you know, doing what they're doing on their side of the ball as well. It definitely adds to your, you know, your strive to play the game and your excitement going into the game, knowing that, you know, you're strong on both sides of the ball and that you're going to go out and have a good game because you have great players around you that are going to help you be great. All right, guys. Well, no sitting on the fence in the match. We've got to pick our. Well, we, we've got to pick between these two. Uh, Beck, I, I think we all know where you're headed here. But you know, talk to us about talk to us about this decision because, um, yeah, obviously, you know, Buda Baker, he's um, you know high quality, um, but got a little bit of loyalty there in Seattle. But yeah, t- tell us who you're going to pick here. Yeah, Buda Baker is definitely a special kind of guy, and he does have you know something that I don't think comes that can be taught. It's something that comes naturally. But I also think Jamal Adams has that too. And he has the size and the hard hitting and the aggression. And just, I feel like he fits into our Seattle defense so well because of the way that he plays and the type of player he is. 
Um, so I'm picking him, obviously, because he's a Seahawk, but also because I think just with a with great players around him and with a good scheme, he is the best safety. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go Buda Baker just because of, I, I guess, the slow start that Jamal's had uh, this season. You know, I, I think... You know, when you're evaluating the top-tier talent, you, 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 there's no mercy. You know, you give them no slack. They've got to be great week in, week out. That's the thing we love about the NFL is there's not many games. You know what I mean? There's only, what, 17 games in the regular season plus playoffs. So, unfortunately, you're going to be paid the big bucks. Big bucks. You're going to be the best in the world. You have to be performing every single game, and that's what Buda Baker does, and that's something that Jamal, I think, is still maturing. Um, and, yeah, back to your point, uh, who's to say he's not going to get there because he has – all the talent in the world. But Buda Baker for me, Stacey, um, yeah, a bit of a tricky one, but uh, two very talented players. I've spoken really highly about Jamal Adams, this, you know, this entire podcast. And, uh, you know, I still still rate him as one of the best up there. But from right now, for me, it, it's it's my man, Buddha. Uh, you know, he's, he's from Washington. He's smart. He's feisty. And, uh, you know, his versatility has got so many dimensions and he's not He's not just hamstrung into his position like Adams is. And, and that comes from being, um, you know, being a part of a 6-0 and team. Everything is easy breezy at the moment in Arizona. So he's just playing and balling out. So, you know, for me right now, you know, it's all Buddha. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Are you okay? Is he kidding? Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week, well, the question is, we're all excited about the return of fans in the NFL this season, and that's that's the, the topic for tonight's question in Rapid Fire. Which is the best fan base in the league? And, well, you know, unfortunately, we didn't have Alex with us tonight, but she has mailed in her selection. And surprise, surprise, uh, in big, bold writing, she's got here the Chicago Bears fans. And, uh, well, you know, I, I'll, 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 have a, I'll have my own little pick tonight, but um, you can't disagree. You can certainly say one thing about the Chicago fan base is that they are passionate about their football team. And, well, there, there's, been, uh, there's been some struggles there, so credit to them uh, digging in there and continuing to support their team and, um, with Justin Fields coming in there, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some there's some more wins there for that uh, franchise in the future. Uh, Beck, yeah, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, best fan base in the league? Yeah, I love that. Even though Alex isn't here, we still manage to talk about the Bears every episode. <laughs> um, but I'm going to stick with my home team and go the Twelves. I think you know they're one of the loudest fan bases in the league. You know, going playing at a home game in Seattle is like playing nowhere else. So. They're definitely the fan base that I'd want to be playing in front of. Yeah, my pick is, you know, which one would you feel most uncomfortable with in terms of wearing an opposing away jersey? And uh, there's a few of them out there, but I've actually gone Philly uh, just because. Uh, let's just say that the Philly fan base they uh, they're they're quite uh, yeah they're quite savage uh, even on their own team. Uh, they have an amazing ability to boo their own quarterback when things don't go right in the first half. So for me, uh, yeah, nothing like uh, Philadelphia. And, um, yeah, they're not my team, but it uh, certainly wouldn't stop me from going over there and watching a football game to get that experience. Um, Stacey, what about yourself? There's a, there's a few to choose from, but um, who's your pick? Oh, there's, there's some good ones. You know, we were talking about the Las Vegas Raiders and how they've just got the crazy fans. Like, you'd actually be scared to hop on the train and sit next to them. Um, but I'm actually going to go with the Bills Mafia. Um, I think it's pretty hard to argue against fans that jump through tables and then they bring those tables to the away games just so they can break the tables in 
the other team's home ground. Um, I think that's just, it's just so funny. And I saw a, um, a baby's christening on social media, which entailed a tiny baby breaking its own tiny table dressed in Bill's gear. Um, and that was just the cutest thing I've ever seen. And right now they've got everything to be proud about there in Buffalo. So you go hard, Bill's Mafia. Yeah, and, and no babies were harmed in the making of that video as well. But uh, no, 100%. They are absolutely wild. And, and, and Stacey, we're, we're Patriot supporters, so we tortured them for decades. And you still just watch week after week. You know, every time that their, their team performs, they're, they're out there um, absolutely giving it their all. And um, Josh Allen, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for us to watch, but he looks like um, something, yeah, truly special. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel. Uh, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you did, please download the podcast and share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.